0: Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I have Dr. Amy Novotny on the podcast. She is here to talk about her business, which is called PABR. I would like to start off by saying that I'm always fascinated when a person experiences a problem and then decides to take action. I'm so excited for the listeners to hear how you started PABR.
1: Sure. Thank you again for having me here, Nadine. I really appreciate it. And I would like to share so much with your listeners. And what we'll start with first is PABR so I also call it Papper Institute so that stands for pain awareness breathing relief back in 2009 I got my doctorate in physical therapy and I started off in traditional physical therapy I treated you know various injuries sports injuries orthopedic chronic pain all the way from children to older adults and that helped I was a good physical therapist in Arizona I was known by many doctors they would send people to me but I felt there was something missing. I felt there was more than just stretching, strengthening, mobilization, and and, you know, balance training, stabilization training. I knew there was something more because everything that I was doing with people was applying something externally to the body and hoping their body received it. I wasn't making an internal change to people. I wasn't having them truly sense a change and own that change in their body. And so after about five years of doing traditional physical therapy in an outpatient setting, I started taking some courses through the Postural Restoration Institute and then also doing my own studying with patients and looking up things about the nervous system and how it works and our fight or flight system, our ability to rest, and started piecing together from all these different sources what I would see in patients when I worked with them. So initially, I experimented on myself with breathing and different ways of breathing. When I could sense my breath changing or I could sense different things about my body and I changed my breathing in a certain way, all of a sudden things got Easier for me, my mobility increased, so I didn't have to stretch anymore. I didn't have to do any foam rolling. I didn't have to do any scraping or Graston technique or anything you want to talk, you know, name with tools where you scrape it across your body to loosen up tissue or fascia. I noticed that my speed started increasing, so I was running marathons at the time, and all of a sudden, my speed just kept getting faster and faster, and I dropped off about fourteen to fifteen minutes off my marathon time and qualified for Boston, and. This sounds crazy, but it was easy. (laughs) It was easier to do that, and I didn't have pain. And so then it became a matter of how do I figure out what it is my body is going through, and then how do I start to learn how to communicate it to teach other people? So that's what I started doing with patients when I was working in an outpatient physical therapy setting. And I started implementing it. And of course, when you start something completely new and tell people to blow into a straw or balloon, there's going to be a lot of resistance. (laughs) Most people (laughs) haven't heard of using your breath to change your body and your life. Mm. I was starting to change people internally, starting to change the way their nervous system worked. And they started feeling it. They started owning it and gaining control over it. And then it led me to helping a lady back in 2016 get out of a a knee replacement surgery. She was bone-on-bone, arthritic, had been doing synvis shots, um, cortisone shots, taking anti-inflammatories for years, just so she could walk and climb stairs. And she's a photographer as well. She's a um, doctor of psychiatry or psychology. And... She was desperate to find anything. She didn't want to have her knee cut open and, you know, put metal inside it. And so I worked with her and she got it within a couple of weeks she was pain-free. She got her mobility back and she hasn't had one injection. She stopped all of her anti-inflammatories since this was about June of 2016. And so the the effects are lasting too and we just did something that her body hadn't been exposed to yet which was how to change her nervous system and calm her body down and her body went with it it was ready for a change she was ready to free up and so that actually spurred me into helping more people and eventually a little bit of a long story is I'm going to make it short A photographer hired me to travel around the world to keep him out of a knee replacement and a rotator cuff surgery thing. And I did that for six months, kept him out of two major surgeries to get him to Antarctica. And then when we were finished there, I decided to start the Caber Institute. That's why I started, and that's kind of my mission now, is to help as many people as possible.
0: In the alternative medicine world, a person should have a balanced approach to self care. So, if you go to an acupuncturist, you should also go see a massage therapist on a regular basis. Is it different in your case, or do you recommend this multi dimensional approach to self care?
1: I think self care has to be multi dimensional. I think that there is not one practitioner out there that can suffice all of your needs. We have our spirit, we have mental health, emotional health, we have physical health, and they're all intertwined. And so we need exercise, and we need someone to help us often to coach us through the exercise, but we also need to do it in a safe way. And so that's where someone like me, I can help people get out of pain, but I also can teach people how... To de-stress and how to get their body in the correct position so they can receive the exercise and it provides the benefit they need. But also, massage is very important, and one of the reasons is so I do virtual sessions as well as in person. So for what, with that, when I work with people virtually, touch is so incredible. So having someone do a massage on you to provide that touch and to help you feel what it feels like for your muscles to relax and to help them move, that's critical. Same thing with acupuncture. Sometimes we need something just beyond what we can consciously do to calm down our nervous system, and those needles, that's what they do. Especially, I have clients right now who are learning what I do, and they, they start out by seeing the acupuncturist because they are in such a fight-or-flight state that they need that help just to break them down enough that they can receive what I'm teaching, and it helps us when we work together to get someone on a better road much faster.
0: So you're agreeing that these are all complementary, of absolutely. course, in addition to seeing your regular physician?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So can you dive in a little bit more and talk about the principles upon which you based PAPER?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I want to touch on three different topics, if that's Okay. So Absolutely. I like to talk. <laughs> mix. I like to talk about posture and your body position is mm-hmm. one, the nervous system two, and breathing three. And so I'm going to start with posture and how we carry ourselves. So when you think about posture, it kind of starts from the inside. We hear the word core a lot. So I switch that to your rib cage. Your rib cage is like your beginning structure for everything to move upon. So a cage should be kind of like a cylinder structure. If you think about your ribs, we want them as a cylinder. Now we're often taught we need to have this upright posture with our chest out, shoulders back, and suck up your gut. And I, <laughs> I rebel against that a little bit, and here's why. When we stick out our chest, pull our shoulders back and suck up our gut, we take a rib cage that should be like a cylinder, and we start to tip it, and it becomes a hinge on our low back. Because when you lift up your chest too far and your ribs, your bottom ribs come up in front, you can feel how your low back starts to hinge. And what happens in response to that is your pelvis tips forward. So any of you out there who have hip pain, guess what? It's highly likely your pelvis is tipped forward too much because what it does is it decreases the space available for your hip joint, which can lead to different types of impingement and labral issues. And then... If you're standing and you feel this, or if you're getting up from sitting, your body weight shifts forward so you get a lot more wear and tear on the front of your knees. When we think about runners and then we think knee pain, a lot of times it's because they're in that fight or flight mode where their ribs are up high. Because if you look at a runner, their back is arched, their chest is out, their pelvis is tipped forward. Well, that would contribute to why you would have knee pain over time because your body weight has shifted forward and the muscles are going to pull abnormally on the front of your knee and your kneecap. So learning how to get out of that hyper extended state with your chest out is step one. the other thing is, as soon as you stick your chest out and pull your shoulders back, you're crunching on that sympathetic nervous system that's in your back. And you're telling your body it needs to ramp up because you need to fight or flee or do something to excite yourself. So I talk to people, first off is let your belly out. Let your ribs drop down because as soon as you suck your gut up and your belly button up, you've locked your ribs up high. So first we have to get your ribs back down into position and no one loves to let their belly out, let me tell you. <laughs> no one likes to do that.
0: Amy, you are speaking my <laughs> language. Yoga Good. is all about that proper alignment. I'm always, it's. I'm like a broken record too always talking about the importance of allowing your abdomen to move when you breathe and to allow your rib cage and your head to be over your pelvis, aligning all of your bones, your joints, and letting your muscles work as a team Yes, instead of being unbalanced one way versus the other, having your pelvis Mm -hmm. in a neutral position. So Oh, just delightful to listen to you talk about (laughs)
1: this. (laughs) I am so glad to hear that because so much when we're taught core, we're taught tightening everything up and that just locks you up and you can't move. That's not healthy for your back.
0: And it's not healthy, like you said, for your confidence, mm -hmm. for your brain, for your stamina either, Um, because the way you project your body out into the world is really how you're feeling inside too.
1: Yes. Absolutely. And that's why what we're talking about today actually helps people with stress and anxiety because we're changing how you position your body. One, so you don't position yourself into a stress mode. But two, once you start letting your belly go and your ribs can drop down into neutral, your, your mobility comes back and you can't help but feel good when you're mobile. It's just, it puts a smile on your face because you feel like you're two years old or five years old again, because <laughs> there's nothing much better than being able to move freely. It's a great feeling. Now let's talk about the nervous system. So our autonomic nervous system runs, you know, on autopilot here, and we have components of it, your gut, your enteric system, and we're not really going to cover that so much, but more so the sympathetic fight-or-flight nervous system, and parasympathetic, your relaxation system. So this sympathetic nervous system, it kicks us into fight-or-flight, and All of us have a million different stressors in our life and every one of those stressors, whether it's work, financial, you have aches and pains, you have family issues, you have kid issues, any of those things, you're driving, there's road rage, all of those issues kick us into a fight or flight mode, right? Well, unfortunately, as soon as we feel that fight or flight mode, our muscles in our body tense up. And... If we don't know and recognize that, we may feel it as tension, but if we don't recognize how to let that tension go and let those muscles relax again, our body's amazing ability to to adapt to any situation, that kicks in and that's our new baseline of tension and muscles that are contracted. Now, if you combine that, that muscle contraction and those muscles tightening Two, our posture and what we thought was perfect mm-hmm. posture of pulling ourselves out of position. Mm-hmm. You start getting a problem because muscles are tightening and they don't know how to let go. And they're pulling on bones that are out of position and you start getting pinching and impingement. Yeah. This is how chronic pain develops. And if you think about it, what typically happens with chronic pain, someone's under a lot of stress and they get a huge new stressor. They wake up the next day and they have pain. They don't know where it came from. And, but because they've passed the threshold of being able to come out of that, that fight-or-flight mode, they stay there, and so the muscles continue to pull. And they don't recognize those muscles pulling. And so what happens then is they continue to pull, and chronic pain just spirals out of control. So what do we do about it? Well, that's where breathing can come in. <laughs> and you know a lot about breathing. So one thing about breathing is, I look at it from a physiological point of view, an anatomical point of view. So our diaphragm goes up and down into dome shape. When we can use that dome well, we can stimulate the vagus nerve to calm our body from fight or flight mode into parasympathetic relaxation. Now the problem with the diaphragm is it has a dome and then it has some walls that kind of support that dome. So when we inhale, the dome contracts down. It creates negative space for air to flow into our body, into our lungs. Mm -hmm. When we exhale, the dome goes up. Now this process of the dome going up and down, it needs support from the diaphragmatic walls for it to work efficiently. The walls of the diaphragm are supported by your side abdominal muscles. So if you are sitting there with your chest out and your ribs are high, a lot of people know what that feels like, where everything just feels like it's elevated. Mm. They are not using their side abdominal muscles, because if they were, their ribs would be down and neutral. The side abdominal muscles provide support for the diaphragm for it to work well. So this is why it's critical that we're not in this upright posture where you're pulling your ribs up high and you're lifting your chest up high, because it's hard for you to activate your side abs To provide support for your diaphragm so you can breathe in a more efficient way, which when you do then calms your nervous system down. So all three of those areas are all interconnected. So that's why I talk to people, we need to work on one, your stressors, but also the way you position your body and the way you breathe.
0: And really the interconnectedness Mm -hmm. is what you're talking about between your posture, your breathing, how you feel, how you affect your nervous Mm -hmm. system. All of those things work in conjunction. You touched upon this earlier when you talked about how you developed PABR. Could you give us more examples of people with common chronic conditions you have helped with this method and any long-term follow-up?
1: Sure. So... One common complaint I have is someone with neck pain or numbness and tingling down the arms. And I had a lady who was an executive for ABC15. She was scheduled for a major surgery where they would go into the front of her neck, fuse her neck. They said it was arthritic, bone on bone. They said there were so many issues that they couldn't fix anything. Hmm. She was examined by neurosurgeons, neurologists, and go see Amy just to get you out of pain until we can get surgery. And this was like three months before surgery. And her, she wanted surgery moved up as quickly as possible. Because so, when I evaluated her, I said, what are your goals? She said, just get me to surgery. If they have mm-hmm. a cancellation tomorrow, I'm doing surgery. I said, what if your goal is one of your goals to not have surgery? And she said, no, that's not a possibility. Every surgeon has told me that's not a possibility. And I said, Okay. I said, I'm going to teach you some stuff about breathing and how you position your body to help free up space. So we're going to try to get you out of surgery. And she said, that's your goal, not mine. I said, okay. So I worked with her <laughs> once a week, sometimes once every two weeks because she was flying around the country, busy with work. I worked on changing her view of what a perfect posture should be, trying, working on getting her to calm down, changing the way she breathes within a month, she canceled her surgery. And that was back in September 2017. Mm. And so she never had the surgery. Her doctors were shocked because that was, to them, the only option to give her relief. And so she had to work on these exercises of changing her breathing on a regular basis because her nervous system was set for decades and decades and decades of being Mm. a certain way. Mm -hmm. But she would practice five minutes here. Five minutes there. It's nothing that takes over your life. It's just practicing a little bit to break up your nervous system habits so that way you can shift your body in the way you feel your body. And the key was for her, she could feel a change in her body. She owned it. And so she knew whenever she was in a stressful point in her life, she knew what to do and she could calm her body down and she could feel the relief. Um, I have other instances where people have had a rotator cuff tear Mm -hmm. scheduled for surgery, came in, and we did it in a different manner where we did a two-day intensive where I worked with her. She was scheduled for surgery two weeks before, (laughs) before our session. And so I did an hour with her. Let her practice while I worked with someone else. Then I brought her in for another hour. And so we changed how she positioned her rib cage, how she reached with her arm, how she lifted her arm overhead and changed the way she went about it. And she stayed overnight. The next morning we just wanted to see what did she retain from the day before and what was her what was still in her nervous system as a habit and how we shifted that. And so we had another hour or two. She left. She was fine. She canceled her surgery. She now moves her arm in any which direction. I think I even saw her doing some girl push-ups and had no pain. And I was, well, that was, I was kind of shocked. So, and this works for all different things. And I've already mentioned the knee replacement, hip replacements. I've had most and recently. And you touched I've been upon working. stress
0: and anxiety too.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Most recently, stress, anxiety, lack of focus. So yes.
0: And you so, mentioned that you do this remotely as well.
1: I do. So I've worked with people in all over the US in other countries in the world as well. So we do sessions virtually and I coach them through the breathing process working on body sensation and how to feel certain muscles letting go and other ones activating to pull them back into neutral so that they free up their motion, regain strength, and so I have various forms, Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, all of those different programs. As long as there's an internet connection and I can see your body and I can evaluate and work with you as you progress, it works wonders.
0: Beautiful. What would you say to someone about learning to use the the modalities that you're teaching so that it can diminish the use of medication?
1: So what I tell people is we need to change the way you breathe and position your body. As you start doing that and you start feeling a change in your body, I've had so many people decrease their pain medications, their high blood pressure medications, because when we calm down the body, we decrease cortisol levels, blood pressure drops, heart rate starts to drop. I've even had people use less insulin medications because their blood sugar regulates better when they've had type two diabetes and because there's a stress factor to that. Certain digestive medications you can, I've had people decrease on. So it's something that we want to implement and you start out gradually and you'll start to learn more as you go along. But first, if we can change how you breathe and you can start to sense it, you'll start to see a shift in your body and a less reliance on various medications.
0: They are expensive and they have side effects. Not to say that they're not needed when they're needed. Right. If we can diminish right. the use of those expensive medications with side effects that tend to domino, why not?
1: It's so incredible to get people out of surgeries, off medications. It's phenomenal. and it's like I just want people to realize that there is so much untapped potential in their bodies. It's just because we've forgotten how to feel our body and breathe, we start to lose our ability to breathe anatomically when we leave our toddler stage.
0: Is there anything we might've left out of our conversation, which you would like to address?
1: So I think one thing that people need to take into consideration is this would be good for anyone to do even right now is can you feel your ribs move? Can you feel your breastbone or sternum relax? Can you feel like, can you reach and you feel only your arm reach and it's not your body going forward or your pec muscles doing the reaching? Start to take inventory about your body. And it's good to have someone that you know take pictures of you from the side when you're sitting and when you're standing and it helps you gain a sense of where is your body in space? What habits are your body undertaking that you're not even aware of? And using someone else to help you with this, you can gain a lot of information to start changing your body and how you feel.
0: Thank you for that. Welcome. So my final question is Mm -hmm. what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy?
1: Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And finding out what it is for each of those that makes you feel good. Because if you can feel good for each of those, your focus no longer becomes on yourself, but on how you can help others. And the more that we feel healthy, because we're achieving what we need to, we can start to help others in a way that grows. And you can start to have more of an impact. Because when we feel we feel healthy physically, like we don't have aches or pains, or we don't have nausea, all of a sudden, our our focus now is on growth and helping other people. Same thing with mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So to me, being healthy is figuring out what makes you tick and makes you feel good so that you can then turn that into helping other people.
0: Thank you so very much for your time and your education. How can we find you?
1: So you can go to my website. It's pabrinstitute.com. So P-A-B-R institute.com. I have a lot of resources on there, but I would also would love to hear from your listeners if they would like to send me an email. That's amy at pabrinstitute.com. And if they want, I can send them a couple free videos if they have back pain, neck pain, or shoulder pain. I can send them some free videos on how they can position their body to help them start on their journey to getting that pain free or regaining their mobility. Thank you, Nadine, for having me on today. I really appreciate your time and attention and your care for your listeners. It was a great pleasure of mine to share with you.
0: And you have been a very valuable and wonderful guest today. And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. And this Mindful Minute will be brought to you today by Dr. Amy. Thank you very much, Amy, for doing this for us. I would love to be led in a breathing exercise, please. And I'm sure my audience would love that as well.
1: What we're going to do today is go through some of the basics of the breathing techniques that I teach. I encourage everyone to sit all the way back into the chair back and not... Not sit on the edge of the chair. Don't arch your back. I want to let the low back relax into the chair back without any lumbar support. Just naturally let it go back. And when you do that, let your tailbone curl under you a little bit. And then for your legs, we want the knees relatively close together, kind of in line with your hips, and then your feet flat on the floor so that your heels are grounded. So the next thing I want you to do is to let your belly button out. Let that gut hang out, and let it relax. We're gonna go through a four-step breathing process that I do with everyone. I start them off with a simple process. It gets more complicated than that, but we're gonna start off very basic today, and just to get you into a rhythm. So the four steps are, I breathe in through my nose, I pause a second, I blow out through my mouth, And then I pause, hold my breath for three seconds. So I'm going to breathe in. Pause. Then I blow out through my mouth. And I pause, holding my breath, three seconds. And then I breathe in. And then I breathe in. blow
0: out. Okay? This is just part of the breathing exercise. To see the whole thing and to follow along with video, please see my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. And please don't forget to connect with me on my website at yogimd.net. Thanks for being here. See you next time.